Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Today, we are talking with Nick Pags. Nick and I connected through another coaching group through Jess Glazer at Power University, and I got to watch Nick firsthand as the mindset coach. And boy, did he actually take charge of a call and really dive in. And he's not afraid to call people on their BS at all. And I love that. Absolutely love that. So Nick is a motivational speaker and thought leader, mindset and consciousness coach, personal trainer at the exclusive Performance House in New York City. He does so many things that it's all in his bio because honestly, it's like so many different things that he's doing, which is amazing. But he's been working in the fitness industry for over 10 years. And as a certified behavioral change specialist and weight management specialist, Nick's training is fundamentally holistic. He literally focuses on how behaviors generate habits and habits form lives. They really do. I mean, at the end of the day, what we do as our habits is what dictates what our life looks like, how it unfolds. We can set these amazing goals, but if we don't break down what those habits are that are going to get us there, it just won't matter. So this is a very, very powerful episode. And I love it because as I just, we dive in with Nick and I really get him to talk about himself. He's a great coach, a phenomenal coach, and he's great at getting to the root of the issues. So I have a little bit of fun in this episode as I challenge Nick to some questions. We had a great conversation. We really, really did. And I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. So welcome to the show today, Nick. Thank you so much, Marsha. I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of the game today. I love it. I love, love, love energy. And it's like middle afternoon, dreary and just gray here. So I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, I'm a good person on, on dreary days. I know. I know. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to ask you about five or six questions so people can get to know you. And then we're going to dive into you and your story. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So where are you from? I'm from New York, just outside of New York City in uh, a county called Westchester. Grew up in a town called Ossining. Have you been there your whole life? I've been there my whole life. I moved to New York City from Westchester in 2016 when I was uh, like 23, 23 years old. Okay, so 2016, we do the math quickly. So 27-ish? Yes, 27. Okay. Awesome. 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 I love connecting people. When you look at just different ages and how deep they are and everything they offer, I just absolutely love it. Okay. Are you a reader? Am I a reader? Mm -hmm. I don't. Reader? No. Learner? Yes. Oh, I like this. So how do you learn? What, how do you learn best? So audiobooks have changed my life. 
Yep. Audiobooks are like the greatest gift. So I have really, really bad ADHD. Um, and I don't mean that like in a way of like a pity thing. I just, I was never good at school because I couldn't focus and I never took medication until sophomore year of college. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had to find ways to, uh, figure that out. And then by senior year of college, I hated the medication. I stopped. So I did like a two year span of that. Um, but I, I had to find other ways to do it and I need to be kind of moving. So like when I listen to audiobooks. I like walk around my apartment or I'm walking in the city and like, I need to be active, mm-hmm. actively paying attention. So audiobooks are huge videos. Like YouTube has been massive for me. So that's, and, and then connecting with people is my favorite way, of course. Absolutely. Do you have one audiobook that say was very impactful for you? <sighs> A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm currently reading, oh my gosh. Marsha, this book is insane. I'm reading the the illusion of money by oh, Kyle Cease. Okay, but you're doing it by audiobooks. I am. I am too. I've done it by. I have done it, and I'm going to do it again. I love him, Kyle Cease, in his audiobooks. His first one, I love too. Not yeah. everybody loves his style. I love it. I absolutely yep. love it. I love his energy, his sense of humor. I totally get, and I love him in audiobooks. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He he doesn't feel like he's reading. And yeah. it's really hard to do that as an author when you're reading your own book. It's hard to be natural with it, I think. I've never done um, it, but I would imagine. Yeah, I, I'm going to be completely honest. And I tried to do, like, because I have a book that's published. I, I tried to do, like, the first intro and first chapter to do as, like, an opt-in. I mean, it was just really hard to read it as in, like, it's, I felt like I was reading. I'm like, God, that's boring, Marsha. You've got to just do this differently. So I really have a new appreciation for what people go through and the authors when they are reading their books for, for Audible. Yeah. Agreed. It's pretty remarkable. Um, it's interesting. I'm just going to say as a aside to say that I probably do actually do more books by Audible than I do by reading now. And I'm sure I have different learning disabilities that I, 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 I say that, but we didn't talk about it when we were kids. I need to move and read. I need to move and listen. So I am like always moving, listening to audiobooks. I love that. Sometimes I sit down and I do work on reading, but it's, I've been known to fall asleep as soon as I sit down to read. So I like moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I just put a post up a couple uh, a couple weeks ago that was kind of like a PSA to teachers, not in a in a critical or negative way, more in just the constructive, optimistic viewpoint on how we could go about this, because I think it's truly a huge epidemic, the handing out of ADHD pills to, to young kids. And I, I had such a dangerously scary experience with it Mm -hmm. at at the age of 20 and 21 and -hmm. feeling completely a loss of control of myself mentally physically emotionally and to think that kids at five six seven are being drugged so heavily with no choice or understanding of what's going on you actually can't comprehend what's going on sometimes so i posted this video because i'm actually sitting in new york city at lululemon's hub 17 it's a beautiful co-working space and they have like a little weight space in the other room. So I will work for 20 minutes and I've learned that in order to stay focused, I know that my max time is like 45 on a good day. 
that I can stay focused on something. And then I walk in the other room, I swing a kettlebell for five minutes, I do some push-ups, jumping jacks, and I get right back to work. I got another 45 in me. So it, I'm just so passionate about teachers waking up to the fact that we don't have to medicate and doctors, we don't have to, and parents mostly, mm -hmm. to go that route. Of course, medication can be a wonderful opportunity for people to have a shift in how they feel. Yeah. Um, but there's so many things that we can change from working within ourselves through movement. I think we could do a whole podcast on this. I really do because I think that, I mean, I'm a mom who raised, who's, I've raised two boys. So yep. boys in the school system, let me make a blanket statement for a second. Most of our school system is built for girls who sit. It's yeah. just, there's a blanket statement, but come on, let's just say it. And when the boys don't sit well, which I don't know a lot of boys that do, and they're young. And some of the first things we're told to us when they're younger is like, well, they need to be medicated. He's like in junior kindergarten. Like it's like, he's just, and when they were younger, when they didn't listen, they took away gym time and they took away recess, which used to always make me laugh. Cause I'm like, well, how the rest of the day go then if you took away mm -hmm. recess and you took away, you know, their play time, how did it go? They were awful. Of course they were awful because they, like they need to move. move. They need to move. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's crazy, Marsha, now that you're saying this, I, for my whole school career mm -hmm. was, was threatened by teachers and, um, punished and disciplined for what now is my livelihood, which is my energy. I know. I know. So I was told I was wrong for my energy. I was told that I was doing the wrong thing, being a bad kid because I was in my authentic self was an energy, a ball of energy. It's been like that forever and I still can't stop it. And I'm a 27 year old man and I figured a lot out in my life. I can't figure out how to stop the energy, nor do I want to. Mm -hmm. and, and I was ridiculed and, and really, and I'm, I don't mean to play victim. I really mean it in a way that like, I think it's a good opportunity for our teachers, our, our elders, the people who look at these kids and guide them in their next paths. Can we start to celebrate what that kid possesses as they are authentically? Yes. And yes, it turns up as little mischief, mischief in times. And it turns up as talking in class sometimes, but maybe that's a beautiful thing. I think it was my client today was saying something about this in Norway, that they have a system called, I don't know what it is, first or fifth or something. Well, they're world renowned for their education. World renowned. World they renowned. 45, 45 minutes of work, 30 minutes of outside play. 45 minutes of work, 30 minutes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I just think it's awesome. I think it's awesome because it's just, it's just how the brain works. You know what? I can hammer through a lot of work, but it doesn't take me long before I'm like, oh God, I've got to get out and walk or move or something because now I'm just wasting time. I can't even focus and think straight. So that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm not smart. It's just, that's just how we learn. And there has to be room for that. And I love, I love, I love, I love that you are diving into this. We are diving into this because here's the thing is that 
like you've taken what was known or thought of as your weaknesses, your, your, like your issues, whatever you want to call that. And it's certainly your strength. Like it is certainly your strengths. And so, you know, I really want to make sure we don't leave room for kids to be able to grow and explore into who they are in some sense, because there are sometimes what is deemed by society as our weakness is actually not. It's actually our strengths. And this is, mm-hmm. Amen. And this is not easy. Like, I don't want to play this at, at like the, the system is so wrong and everybody's screwed up oh. and it's such an easy fix. This is a really hard thing to figure out because there, without some type of streamlined avenue for teachers to, to go down that path and okay, so this is how we do it. And this is the books we read and this is how the kids are supposed to act without that it's a massive responsibility to keep control in a space as a leader for sure. There has to be order. Mm -hmm. So, so I think it's finding that happy medium between um, order and opportunity and and freedom for a kid to figure out who they are and being celebrated for what they are. Uh, And it's, we truth is we just don't take care of our teachers. So why would they want to put the effort in to do that much work? We just don't take care and I'm getting quite political here, <laughs> and I don't tend to. But I, I, like, you can't blame it on the teachers. They're just not taking care of enough financially. They're not taking care of in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that they deserve, they are the future of our country because they're raising the kids that are coming next. Oh, for sure. They absolutely yeah. are. And it's a real, like, there's a, that could be, again, another episode, but there's a lot of, our teachers are on a rotating strike days right now. So it's a really hot topic here where people are quite, like, it's, they're not all on the same page. And I do know a big part of it is that they do, they've lost a lot of their support system in their classes. And when you look at the variety of kids that are in the class, boy, it is not straightforward and easy what they're doing because there is a huge variety of what they're seeing. And, um, yeah, so I do, I, I, I do see all sides. I don't see that one is wrong and one is right. I just know as raising boys in a system, like there was never a point I can say where I felt like school was easy as a mom of boys. I, and I mean, it wasn't easy for the boys, but they never fit the way that they were expected to. They just didn't yeah. fit that way. So that story of my life. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I just, I love what you're doing and I love everything that you're doing about this. So do you have a favorite quote or something, a mantra that you use that grounds you? Oh, I have too many. Okay. Um, the one that comes, the one that comes to mind uh, is one that my mom always says to me, and it's not much of a quote. It's really just no. be a good person. Yeah. It literally runs everything. Every single choice I make, every single thought I have. I've, I've now gotten to the point where like, I don't, I don't let a thought go by without asking myself. Like, I, I get very caught up on checking my automatic, checking my routine way of thinking, the stuff that I just do on repeat because it's natural to me. Mm-hmm. I've been in a phase, a season of my life where I'm checking all of that, auditing uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my way to audit in the clearest and most basic sense is to ask myself, are you being a good person right now? That's it. And every decision must, must lay on that foundation or it just doesn't happen. And do I make mistakes? Absolutely. <laughs> but, but it's unacceptable in my head. Like it's unacceptable. Everything, everything 
that I do and everything that I say and everything that I am gets to be from a place of be a good person. Always. My mom and dad, my mom and dad always, always said that. I love that. And I mean, this might lead into the next question for you is, do you have a mentor who has impacted your life? It can be somebody, you know, or somebody you don't know. Um, my parents are huge. Uh, and I could talk about them for 10 days, but I, I I'm going to pick one mentor from afar who has been wildly supportive for me is Dr. Eric Thomas. He's the world's number one motivational speaker right now. Wow. I started following him when I was 17 and he was making his GIM videos on YouTube. Uh, and I started just studying him. I would wake up at like four, five, six in the morning in college, which was unheard of. And I honestly didn't talk about it because I kind of felt like it was weird for a dude to be waking up that early in college. This was not on our weekends. The weekends I had a lot of fun. But during the week, I would wake up early. Um, and, and his voice was the voice I listened to. And I'm not kidding. Every morning for four years. And I, I remember meeting him for the first time. Oh, wow. You met him. Okay. So, so yeah. Well, now I have a relationship with him, which is crazy. Uh, but I remember meeting him. At a, I paid for a meet and greet when I didn't have the money to pay for a meet and greet. And I paid for my assistant at the time that I had hired uh, or whatever. She was like kind of, a, I took her in as like a partner in building my business on like yeah. early stages. And she came with me and I literally brought her with me so that she can like videotape me meeting him. It was just going to be the biggest moment ever because Marsha, we have, we have people in our lives that we see as heroes and a lot of times it, it's rare that you get to say thank you to your hero in mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. That hero might be someone who passed away. That hero might be someone that you could never have a chance of meeting. You think this guy was that for me. And when I walked up in line, it was kind of a line, take a picture, say hi for a second and move. I, I literally crumbled to my knees. I started bawling my eyes out. I had no words. I couldn't even say anything mm -hmm. because, <clears throat> excuse me, for Five, at that point, five and a half years of hearing this man's voice on repeats and having the things that he says on, on, on repeat in my head remind me to keep going, keep pushing. He was such an inspiration for me to take my life where it has gone and it had gone at that point. To be able just to say thank you, it was the most beautiful blessing from God to be able to look at this man in the eye and, and just thank him for what he didn't even know he did. I just think that's so powerful because I know like 10, I say eight years ago when I was in a really dark spot, YouTube was my friend. Like YouTube yep. was my friend because I didn't have the attention span to read a book. Everybody would say, read a book, read a book. But my, I was just in such a dark spot that YouTube was the only thing I could go to. Tony Robbins, some Tony Robbins videos, definitely some Eric Thomas video, like definitely mm -hmm. some of his videos I tuned into. Yeah. I found to be so, just so powerful, his voice and his, like how strong and convicted he was when he spoke. He just, uh, yeah, so I can completely understand that, but to meet him, and I think that's beautiful what you said is that we really get a chance to say thank you. Some of the people, that's why I say it can be a mentor you've met or never met because there are definitely some mentors that I have come across the way that they're on my list to meet one day. I I don't know if I will or not, but hopefully yeah. I will, but they have impacted my life in ways that they'll never know. And I do have to believe for you telling him and showing him how impactful that was for him, for you, that that's almost, that's just more fuel for him to stay that course. Like it's just more fuel. Like it's just, fuel that this is, you know, you're doing something right. And, and let me tell you about this guy, because it, this is like, 
this blew my mind. And I had, I had to experience it because I had heard that he was like real authentic and raw. But when I shook his hand and I started breaking down, he's like, yo, man, stand up. Like, you're good. You're good. And he gave me a hug. And he said, and I, and I finally like pulled it together. And I was just like, yeah, I, I don't even know. And I felt like I'd known him forever because I heard his voice so much. And, and he's, uh, he, he looked me in the eye. He's like, what's good. What's going on? And I said, I just, I am so grateful right now that I'm able to say thank you. And he goes, bro, He's like, relax, man. I, let's keep in touch. He gave me a cell phone number. Oh this is the God. number one motivational speaker in the world. Oh. Gave me a cell phone number. Yeah. And then I ended up going on. He has these trips every year that he has like a big conference. I ended up investing in that for me and my brother. And, uh, and we went. And on this cruise ship, he walked around the cruise ship with me one morning for 30 minutes. Oh, there were 275 people in his group that went. Mm-hmm. And he walked with me and he is like, I mean, the straightest shooter, just so everything that you would wish someone of that level of fame could be mm-hmm. in real life. He was that times 10. He wanted to know about my life. He wanted to check in. He wanted to see, I'm DMing him last week. And I, and he made a comment about one of my things I tagged him in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm thinking it's Nikki who runs his Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, I was like, thanks, Nikki. I appreciate the feedback. He goes, no, it's E. And I was like, no way. <laughs> wow. That's and, uh, so he beautiful. sends a voice note. This was actually like Super Bowl time. He sends a voice note and he says, he says, uh, yo, Nick, like you need to get a microphone. Like I remember the days when I was starting this, I didn't have a microphone. It makes such a difference. So make sure you get that mic. And we're going back and forth on voice notes. Like he's, and he is the number one motivational speaker in the world between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars an hour to book this man. Yeah. And he's got his time on his phone to connect with me. So like, what a blessing to have people like that, you know? Oh, it's a massive blessing. And you have to believe that yes, at 50 to a hundred thousand dollars an hour, the impact that he has made, the reason he obviously is a very real person because he wouldn't connect with people if he wasn't like real and authentic. And I believe that there's something about that connection that you had with him. And he okay. sees, I think he sees and knows what you're here to create. And I think that's, I think it's awesome because it's just, it speaks a lot about his character and how there's no, again, we're, we're always back to, there's always collaboration, right? There's no competition of any kind. Like we just, we give, we give, we give, we give because it feeds back into people in ways that we could never imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he said to me, he said to me when I was there, uh, that first event, I stood up and I said something that I knew I had an opportunity to stand in front of the room and him, of him and all his staff and crew mm-hmm. in the VIP. And uh, I don't, I honestly don't even remember what I talked about. I kind of blacked out. And it was before I'd really started doing the motivational speaking. Um, and he goes, it was like silent when I finished my minute rant. And he goes, y'all are going to be seeing this guy very soon on a couple stages. Like he knew it and I, he didn't even know what I was into yet. I didn't even shook his hand yet. It was before all that meet and greet. So yeah. um, the moment he said that to me, I look up to his passion and his fire and his commitment to helping people grow in an authentic way, not in an egotistical way. Yeah. That's what I admire most about him. And the fact that a man like that had the, um, the willingness to express that to me that like, uh, guys, check that this guy's going to be big. Just, mm-hmm. just give a look. So that, hearing that from someone who's that experienced and that deep into it, 
was uh, an exciting opportunity for me to just like soak that in and receive that. Awesome. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I love hearing that. So you are obviously a passionate person. You can hear it. What lights you up? Like what drives you? Um, a lot of things drive me. I would say it, the idea of impact, the idea of impact really gets me fired up. So connecting with people in a way where when I leave the room, it's not even about me having anything to do with it. So you've heard me, Marsha, with my coaching. I don't know the answers. I know the answers to very little when I sit with people in coaching or when I speak. I'm not there to give you a crash course on how to live your best life because I don't know. And like I've said this since I was 21 and I really started doing this thing. I don't have the answers for people. I have the questions that'll make you find the answers. Yeah. And and I think what I love is when I, and what changed my whole game of speaking and motivating is when I got into, it's really like transformational consciousness that I focus on. When I get into a room and somebody is some way feeling a certain way at a certain level. And when that consciousness is elevated by the time I leave and they don't look at me and say, Oh my God, this was Nick. I've done my job. Mm-hmm. Like, I want someone to understand that I'm just a catalyst to you having breakthroughs and clarity and consciousness heightened to a whole new level, but it's not me. I'm just a sounding board for you looking within yourself. And to me, oh my gosh, if I can leave a space and someone be walking around like, yo, look, I'm, I'm on a whole new level of energy, a whole new level of like, I've evolved to that next level and I have nothing to do with it in their story. I know it sounds kind of, uh, what's the word? I don't want to play the martyr role. Like it's not, it's, I don't mean to sound martyrish. I really want it to, I want to get across that what, where power comes from is when you realize that you can support yourself in your creative process and your growth process. And, uh, and that's what I thrive off of. That's what makes me keep going. Well, and I think what's really important here, and especially as like coaches in the field and and being working with different people, is that if your client is only going to create change when you are there giving, like prompting them for the answers to to think differently, to do things, then what the hell are they going to do if you're not there? Like it's, it's like really about empowering them to think differently so that they can really come up with those answers on their own. And that's my favorite thing. I was, I mean, my first, I still do some, but my training and training that I've done and personal training that I've done, I have always said, it's not that I don't want you to come here. And like, for me, it's a, it's a goal that they could walk into any facility and know what to do, that they could walk into any facility or gym and know how to do something properly, that they can see Mm. something that is not being, that's being done and go, is that the right way to do it? Like I want them to be able to think outside of me. That's the same in coaching. I don't want them to go, I can't solve anything on my own and I should call Marsha for an answer. That is, that is like, that's not a sign of a good coach in my opinion. Absolutely. You are spot on. And where I learned that idea, Mm -hmm. or it's spot on for me. And I think everybody's got their own perspective on this, but for me, it started with personal training. I've been in this industry for 10 years doing group fitness and personal training. And probably, uh, I would say a couple years in three, four years in, it hit a point where I was, in the beginning, I was on a mission to get as many regular clients as possible. And this idea of 
regular clients essentially was saying, I want people to need me so that I can get their money and I can be financially stable. That was what it really was. And at 17, 18, 19, 20, hell yeah, I want money. Like I want to, I want to feel good about my bank account and be able to like go out with my friends and buy a round of drinks. And I could, I couldn't do that. So I, I was on a mission to get clients who could pay regularly. And what I learned and what changed everything. I mean, this was a really, I can't picture the moment when it happened, but there was, there was a moment in my life where this shift happened, where my, my thoughts went away from wanting my client to invest in me long-term mm-hmm. because that's what I was taught at all of my mentors at that point. You want long-term clients. You want, I'm like, doesn't that one day I asked myself, doesn't that defeat the purpose? Aren't I trying to teach this person to fish? And what had to happen for that, Marsha, was I had to say goodbye to my ego. Mm-hmm. And it is a constant battle because in my, probably my most raw self or natural, easy self is a very egotistical dude. And I'm not afraid to, part of my ego dropping is being able to admit that. And, and it's drifted so much in the opposite direction. And what's been crazy is like, I can't expect people to hold me in a different space. For so long, I was the ego-driven dude, the looking good, the best at sports, the trying to be the funniest and, and swaggiest and all this stuff. And that was how I thrived. And with growing up and continuing to learn more about myself and how I fit in this world, I learned that I, I can survive from being egotistical, but I can thrive from letting that go. Oh, and yeah. man, did that change everything. I mean, it changed everything because now I live in the space of, I want to get you out of my business as fast as possible and give you the toolkit to go take on your freaking life. I don't want you spending thousands of dollars every year with me. If you want to do that, cool, because we like spending time together and you feel the coaching like was important for you. Awesome. But if I can get you to learn how to look within yourself and find your answers Mm -hmm. and just give you the confidence to be able to do that, that's how we start changing the world. Staying with the same 12 people forever doesn't change the world. And I'm on a mission to create impact. And you need to be able to step out, like step out of ego and be able to step into like, what can I do to serve and other people in order to make that impact? And so I think you've just hit the nail on the head. I really do. You are, you filled out your application and I have to say this because this is, first off, I've seen you in action on calls and you're not afraid to say the things that need to be said to help people because sometimes we actually have to be jolted a little bit in order to realize like, oh, I didn't even realize I was looking at it the wrong way or that I was looking at it in a closed way. I didn't realize I was shutting myself off from possibilities. So I've seen you with your words and how you do things. And I, I mean, I've been part of it and I totally am grateful for it. And one thing you did in your application and when you put it for the podcast, the, the sentence just like stopped me in my tracks because I looked at it and it said like owning your life is impossible without first owning your choices and your perspective. So ownership is like, it's a word that drives my entire business. Owning your choices is everything I talk about. And we can change anything. Like we can't change what's happened to us, but we can change what we do with it. We can always change what we do with it. And so I love that you said those words there because that just hit home to me. And I'm like, this guy is out there doing some pretty cool things. Yeah. So ownership is obviously something that's important to you. Yeah. So, yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously ownership is something that is important to you. So that level of insight at a young age, I, you know, you know, I have to say this because this is just, is it from dealing with, you know, being told you're ADHD and challenge in learning and then you spending like starting at 17, listening to like Eric Thomas daily, like that's like, how does that not change you? It doesn't, how does it not change you? Of course it does. And is that where that comes from or where do you think that comes from? Because that's incredible insight for your age. I am just going to say that. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest, most foundational answer of all that is, is my parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hate to be kind of cliche about that, but when I tell you my mom and dad are the two greatest humans that ever existed, Mm -hmm. like ever on the planet, uh, I'm like, holding back tears right now just because of everything you're saying and and it's I'm trying to access like where that came from Mm -hmm. uh and this was repetition for 21 years of being 22 years of being home minus my four years of college like and just on repeat relentlessly never ever accepting anything other than do the right thing be a good person and just like love is always priority just always and um when you come from that space, a lot of questions get answered. Like when you come from that space of, of positivity, optimism, all the good energy and good vibes, yes. But just like being a good person, and it doesn't mean emptying your cup. So now what's interesting is I'm, I'm starting to grow into my own and be like an adult or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but I'm growing into this next season of my life where like um, I'm very like a clearly out of the house and and I watch my parents and I'm starting to learn Like I grow up and everything my parents did was right because they're mom and dad. Like, and I, and I was, grew up super privileged in a way that I had mom and dad and my mom was home all the time taking care. Like, it is so absurd how <laughs> underrated I, I didn't pay attention to that gift. Oh, okay. First off, none of the kids, pay, like, trust me, like none of them pay attention or pay tribute. It's, we never realized the role our parents played until we're out of the house. Totally trying to actually do it on our, on our own. And we're like, Oh crap, they were right about this. They're right about this. This is actually yep. with them. Like we don't realize until we are in the space of learning. So that's totally. when, yeah. Never learn it when we're at home. Never. Yeah. And I, and I told my mom, I called her the other day. It was right after Kobe Bryant died. And I called my mom and I said, ma, I want to tell you something that I'm really happy about. And she goes, what? And I said, for some reason, this whole Kobe thing, it's a whole story for another day, but it, it's really impacted me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I called her and I said, Ma, I feel like, God forbid, if you or I were to go today, mm-hmm. I feel like you knew exactly how I felt about you. And I feel like you knew, you would know how much love I have and respect I have for you. And that I don't need to call you and tell you that because somebody died and it reminded me to go call you. Like you were the person that I thought of that, like, if God forbid something did happen like that. I could rest easy because she knows I love her to the death and beyond. Like I couldn't love her anymore and I couldn't respect her and honor her anymore. So I called her to tell her, I think that that's what's going on. And I want to make sure that I'm on. And she goes, you couldn't be more spot on. She was like, and what a feeling to be able to have someone in your life. And and why don't we do that more? Someone in your life that you know, if they were to disappear tomorrow, that they knew exactly how you felt about them. 
And I struggle with that with other people in my life. I struggle with that with my dad. And I, my dad knows how much I love him, but we have butt heads our whole lives. Yeah. Our whole lives. Yeah. Just like constantly. And it's, it's his mission to make me the best man he can. And I think he did a phenomenal job and he didn't in ways that I wouldn't do it if I were to do it in his position. But yeah. maybe I'm wrong because he tur- I turned out pretty awesome if you ask me. And, mm-hmm. and he was a large role in that. So he is one of the people that like, I'm on a mission in these next few years and these past few years to make him know like, damn, I love you. And I know he knows, but ask yourself, you know, if you're listening to this right now, who in your life deserves that from you? And, and why is it important, Marcia, to reach out and tell people this and tell them what I want to say, what they need to hear, because you don't know what they need to hear. But um, the way I look at it, I learned from uh, a mentor a long time ago in coaching. When I coach groups like, like Jess's group with you guys, mm-hmm. I think of it like, yeah, it might be the tough thing to say. It might be uncomfortable. It might be hard. It might, uh, it might be not politically correct. But if I put something on the table that's not comfortable, the reason why it's not comfortable is, and, or it is not comfortable and a lot of people won't say it for that reason. What if I'm the only person in your life who has the nuts to go and say what that is to you? Straight up, like I love this. Yes, I love it. Go ahead to say that. Mm-hmm. And and if I didn't, you might go your whole life not hearing this piece of feedback. And when again, back to the foundation, when my mission is from a place of love and a yeah. and a desire to be a good person, yeah. if I say something that stings, I'm okay with the with the the danger of losing a relationship or you looking at me like I'm a nasty mean person. I'm willing to tell you that and take that risk for you to be able to hear something that no one else would tell you because I could be the only person that changes your life and says it in that way. Mm -hmm. Because you're not, because you're not attached to the outcome. You're not looking at it going like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to hurt this person's feelings, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes those words are exactly what they need to hear. And I think that was something that I loved, like loved watching you in your element. And I call it element because you aren't afraid to step into that space because you do it from a place of love. You're not doing it from a place of ego where I'm right. You're not doing it from a place of I know better. You're doing it from a place of love because you want to make that change for them and help them see that. And so, yeah, you you know what? Sometimes that takes balls. There's just no other way to say it. It takes balls to be able to step into that space because you know it will make a difference for that person. If they're open to receiving, right? Let me just put the caveat on it, okay, for a second. Because... Um, I'm sure you receive these questions. I do a lot. How do I make that person see it this way? How do I make them change to fit in this way? And my answer is always the same. You don't. Yeah. You don't. They're not, there's, if they're not open to receiving, then there's nothing you can do to change that. But if a person is open to receiving, is a very different environment because sometimes one sentence and saying it differently can shift how they think and what they say or do from there on. So here's, so here's where people start screaming and going like, well, then that's useless because John's never going to be open to, to hearing what I have to say. So now life's over and I can't tell him what I want to tell him here. Here's a massive tip. And on, from a coach's perspective, this is where I always go and it, and it sets the space 
and you still might not be able to have this opportunity. But first of all, you need to know what feedback is. As a, as a person who wants to tell someone something, check yourself. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from, I think I'm right, so I'm now going to tell that person why they're wrong? If that's the case, shut up. <laughs> Don't tell them anything because you're coming from your own little mind that you think is so smart. Like when I'm coaching, I'm not there to tell someone no. you're wrong and I'm right. On the contrary, I'm experiencing life. So that conversation with that person, I'm experiencing that moment. I am a human being. And in the human condition, I wear a perspective goggles. So my goggles are different than hers and different than his and different. And my goggles might be a very different color than yours. So I'm seeing it from a different perspective. And my life is built on my perspective. That's why I say own your choices, own your perspective. When you, when you, recognize that your life is literally just one big movie of your perspective and you can change your perspective and change the entire movie. And it's how you completely take control of your life. And when it comes to offering feedback, feedback needs to be neutral. You can't go in there with, okay, this person's wrong. Let me help them get right. Feedback is freaking neutral, man. It is a space of, Hey, are you open to me giving you feedback, which means it's simply my experience of the situation. It doesn't mean it's wrong or right. It just means it's my experience. And if you're open to it, it may shine some light or illuminate an area of your life that you want to shift or a thought process that you want to change or whatever, or it might not. But are you open to hearing it? And when you go in with a neutral space, that means the next thing you say can't be, all right, this is neutral. I think you're a complete piece of shit and here's you're wrong you're wrong yeah that's not neutral neutral no (laughs) i love yeah that's not that's not neutral no so i think i think as the feedback giver as the feedback giver you need to be really articulate in explaining what you see feedback as then you need to go through the process of checking your ego to make sure you understand that you're, what you're about to say is not right. It's your experience. Mm-hmm. And then when that person says, I'm open to hearing your feedback, your neutral feedback, you then offer them neutral feedback with the understanding that this is not right or wrong. This is simply, it is. It's what I'm experiencing. Here you go. And when you come from that space, there's no targeting. So people won't feel targeted. Because, I mean, I don't know. Do you learn well when you're targeted? Do you? Because I don't. I don't. That's I don't. I'm, I just walk out the door. To be completely honest. Not, it is not how it works for me at all. So why would you, I mean, the average person, it doesn't work for any of us. So why would you do that with somebody else? Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work for us. I, it's funny when we talk about perspective shift and feedback, I was, it just makes me think of this story that I, I mean, I can be bold in what I can say, but that's just how my brain works. It's not because I'm trying to fix anybody, but sometimes I find if you just have that little shift in perspective really fast, it can be like, oh crap. So I was doing a workout the other day, doing CrossFit workout and it was partners and there's only one other female in the class and she comes over and she's like, okay, do you want to be my partner? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Let's do that. And she, first thing she says, okay, but I, I just, you know, I suck. And I'm like, yeah, we can't be partners then. And she's like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what do you can't be partners? I'm like, well, my first rule is you can't talk like that. Like you can't talk. So can you reframe your whole sentence so we can start again? And the coach is sitting there laughing and there's two or three people in the class and they're like, oh crap, oh crap, because I've done it before and I don't mind doing it. And I'll tell you, which was really cool. We finished the class 
And the coach says to me afterwards, he goes, I've never seen her work that hard and have that much fun, like completely shifted how she showed up for the next hour. Like it was unbelievable, but it's like one word and one sentence. And it's just sometimes we're used to saying things like that, that, well, I suck at this, but I'm here and I'm trying, but I suck at this. Sometimes you need someone to say like, uh, yeah, enough of that. Like, it's just enough of that. It's not going to work anymore. Yeah. The power of perspective. Mm -hmm. It is an absolute game changer. Good for you for being an agent of change there because it's so easy to get sucked into it and just be like, yeah, you're not going to suck. You'll be great. Like, that's that that isn't supporting that person when you no. come on a mission to be uh truly like an uplifting spirit in the world it takes a little more work than that like you don't suck come on and i'm guilty of this all the time because i like stop myself from wanting to go deeper into it but the truth is it needs to be in a, like if you really care about adjusting or supporting that person and adjusting their own perspective mm-hmm. it's it's asking the questions it's diving deeper and what you said, which was amazing, was you said something about like taking that time to to ask that person where their automatic is coming into play. Yeah. She's on automatic. It was I total automatic. That. Total automatic. It was complete. Now the interesting thing is, is we can't I don't think as coaches that like we are our best projects. Like we are going through the experience ourselves. So then my one of my next classes. I end up partnering with some of the best people and I'm like, holy crap, I don't want to do this. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, check yourself here, Marcia, because yeah. you can't be critical or you cannot, I wasn't critical. You can't correct somebody for their thinking and then turn around and say the same thing about yourself. Like yeah. it was just a real moment of, I'm like, okay guys, so this is what I've got. Like, this is what I'm going to give to the game. How are we going to do this? And how's it going to go? But it's just, we can't be that person correcting others and then still be doing the same thing as everyone else. So we have to be, we are our own example. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, there's so much I could talk to you about and I want to be respectful of your time, but one of the things you talk about is that behavior and changing habits and how our behavior changes our habits and how our habits form our whole lives. So can you think back to a time where you really changed like your habits that changed your life? That is such a good question. I love how much you're challenging me right now. I, I told you I would, and I love this. <laughs> this well, is- because I tell, I tell Marsha, I, I was telling Marsha earlier, I'm, I'm so not good at, not that I'm not good at it. I just don't, I don't tend to talk about myself. I tend to talk with others about others. And so what did it's I interesting say? to look back on what this. She's I like, say? I love to dig. I love, I love to, to dig. Anybody who knows me knows I love to dig. I love to dig. Because it's how people are going to get to know you best. I love it. So think about, go back and think about what habits, like, I'm sure there's a few, but what are some of the like real transformational habits that you put into place that made you who you are now? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is living a life of conscious. And I, I, I'm still trying to find another word for this because audit feels weird. Yeah. But it is a constant check-in. And a lot of people look at this as, uh, it's gotta be meditation. It's gotta be like Zen with candles and incense and all that crap. Like I, I don't do a good job of meditating when I do. I really think it's powerful. Um, but for me, sometimes it's praying 
For me, sometimes I go and sit in a bathroom stall and do seven deep breaths. For me, sometimes it's calling my mom or my dad or my siblings. For me, it's taking a yoga class or even a workout. Like workout has become less of it because I've put myself in a gym space so much. So it's kind of good to get away from that. Um, but for a lot of people, like going for a run, nature has been huge. Oh my God. Like just going back to my parents' house, it's not upstate, but it's more upstate than New York city. And, uh, and there are trees and there are birds and there's grass. <laughs> That's and nice, isn't it? Yes. It's amazing. And just realizing that, um, I think just putting, putting myself in the habit of realizing in the universe, how small Mm-hmm. my 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 role is and how impactful that small role can be so like it's finding that that balance and it's just a constant audit Mar- martha of like am i am i being who i want to be asking myself from a place of being rather than and am i doing all the things i want to do if you talk about all the doing which is what most of us do i got to do 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 you get overwhelmed you shut down because it seems too big too much uh i just going back to this habit, I guess, of checking in on my ways of being, mm-hmm. what am I being in this moment? And when I set my being of like, I want to be um, an integrity. I want to be kind. I want to be honest. I want to be open, vulnerable, whatever these words are that I want to access. When I think about those, I don't have to think so much about the doing. The doing then starts to happen through my being. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I what I refer to it as a little equation is motive plus mechanism equals results. That's how I learned it as from from a, a coaching program that I went through. They they had this little thing that they taught: motive plus mechanism equals results. And we we often think all the things we do is the most important stuff. So you think about your life, and you think about oh, I got to do this, do that, do that, do that, do that, and then I will have these results. And we go on this doing mission, which is like, that makes sense, right? You got to create action to get results. But we forget about the motive. The motive is in the root of motivation. Why? Why are you doing this? And the purpose behind it. And who do you have to be to get that done? And when you think about your motive, the being and, and the choice of why, that's 95 to 99% of that equation. The doing that we put so much power and we give so much power to is such to me a small percentage of it. I've stopped with the obsession of doing in my past three years of living before it. I I got some great results with the doing, but I also burned out and got cranky and wasn't really connecting, was missing life because I was going a million miles an hour on the doing. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like every moment I call it a consciousness coaching because my mission is to get people to feel this heightened state of consciousness where life, it's like life is a Sour Patch Kid in the best way possible. It's like you put a light, you put a Sour Patch Kid in, it wakes you up for a second. It's like, whoa, and it's damn sweet. And that's what life feels like right now because every second, and of course there are gaps, but every second I'm... I'm on this heightened state of, ex- of of noticing how freaking awesome life is when I choose the perspective I want to choose. Yeah. So my motive is is my driver. Why and who do I want to be? And then the mechanism figures itself out. I'll, I'll figure out how to get there on time. I'll figure out how to get to that, uh, get on that podcast. I'll figure out how to go speak on that stage. I'll figure out all that crap. 
Okay. So I have to dissect this because I love what you're absolutely love what you're saying. So motive plus mechanism. Do you not find a lot of entrepreneurs, and I know I've done this myself, we get so caught on the mechanism about how we're going to, like what is going to look like, how we're going to create it. Like it's, we get so caught up in it that we forget why we're doing it and trusting that the mechanism will show itself up. Yep. So let me, let me just give someone a reason to listen to me for a second right now on this, because I know it sounds so dumb. It yep. sounds so dumb when you hear like, oh, just focus on why you're doing something and then you'll have all the things you want. That's, that's not what I'm saying. There is a, a lot of weight in the mechanism for sure. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to being weighed against the motive, it's not even close. Okay. Um, here's why. You get to it. I want to I say this so purposefully and I want to make sure I say it in a way that, that resonates. <sighs> If you are a parent and your kid is standing on the edge of a, of a tall building for some reason, and you look over and you're like, what the heck is my kid doing over there? And they're close to falling off. And between you and your kid is a gorilla and a lion and a bear. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go call the animal guy to figure out how to safely get rid of these animals where you don't injure them and they also go to sleep but like i need to do it kind of quickly because my kid's about to fall off a ledge and die and i want to really make sure that i do this properly so let me focus on the proper mechanism to get there no when it's something that's really important to you it's a ridiculous example no, it's, it's something it's that's really important it's a ridiculous example that makes sense yeah when it's something that, that like your kid's life talk about the most important thing right you don't care how you're going to get through the lion, tiger, and bear, oh my. You are going to get to that other side to get yeah. your kid, and you'll figure it the hell out. You'll yeah. just figure it out. Yeah. That is a beautiful example of how your motive drives your mechanism. So it's like, I'm getting over there. You become a ninja warrior somehow, rolling under and diving over and whipping out a, a sword you didn't know you had. And like, you figure it out. You yeah. figure it out when, when the motive is that strong. And we as entrepreneurs get so caught up, so caught up in the mechanism, the doing, the doing, the doing. I'm going to tell you this. The world has tricked us in a lot of ways. Here's where, you, here's where you'll listen to me. That makes a little more sense. For entrepreneurs, think of how much money you spend on investing in that thing online, like that, that program the mastermind program where like you watch a bunch of videos. Uh, there are plenty of them that are great. I'm not judging them. Just hear me out for a second. The, the masterminds, then you go invest in the, uh, the 17 different books on how to be an entrepreneur. Then you go pay for that event that you went to and then you go pay for all the stuff. Blah, 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 blah. And within a year, you're $10,000 in the hole of investing in all this stuff. I invest a lot of money in coaching, so I'm not anti that, but I invest way more in my motive, meaning I put so much more time into working on my own thoughts, into working on my own self, into writing things down into, if you look at my wall in my room, it's actually embarrassing. It's just filled. I, I, I want to make it like a big whiteboard. Like I want to paint it into a whiteboard. It's just a bunch of pieces of paper up to the ceiling all the way across with lists because I need to see it all and I need to put it down. I spend so much time 
breaking things down and seeing them and setting my motive as to why, why do I want to do this? Writing down what, what is your reason? Who do you want to be stepping into this thing here? What is it? And when I get, when I go home, we look for so much stability from out, from external sources. We do. We do. Like, I want the coach to give me the answers. I want the, and I'm a coach and I'm, I'm like telling you why, why you need to stop being so obsessed with coaches right now. So just listen to me for a second. It, you, you invest so much dollar, so much time in everything outside of you. Cause you feel like I don't have it in me, which is why I'm going to outsource. Outsourcing at times is really important, but most of the answers you need, if you were willing to take the time and look within, they're in there. And maybe what you need is to invest in someone who's willing to search with you in there. Like a true coach, a really good coach, you guide that space in your life is asking you questions so that you answer your own. It's not about giving you answers. No, it is totally not about giving answers. And I just, I love what you've said there. And I just think it's, I think it's really important because you've talked about motive and mechanism because more often than not, when I have stepped away from the how of how it's going to work out and I just more boldly show up in what my message is, sometimes there's opportunities that come up that I'm like, that was never on my radar. Where did that come from? Like that mechanism and that path wasn't even there yesterday. And yet it's a massive opportunity that is there because I was open to show up. But if I went, I am, I am going to make it happen this way and I'm mm. stuck on the mechanism, I think we miss other opportunities. Yes, girl. Makes sense. And entrepreneurs can get really stuck on that, that it has to be done this way, that we get, we, we miss it. I think we miss opportunities that are right there. Well, there's one word here that can change your life if you're an entrepreneur and this is resonating with you or you're hearing us and you're kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. There's probably something here. So, so try this on for a second. There's a book. The word is surrender. Yeah. Surrender. There's a book called the surrender experiment. That's just an incredible, incredible piece of art that you should absolutely invest in listening to or reading. Um, by Michael Singer. And the, the truth of surrender is that people often think of it as giving up. Mm-hmm. And it's actually quite the opposite. It's creating flow. And when we're in our best state, we're in flow, right? So as an entrepreneur, if you're killing it, you're in flow. You know, like everything's working together. That means you're in flow. How do you find flow? It's when you surrender to what the universe is offering you. And you can call it God. You can call it the universe. You can call it whatever the hell you want. It doesn't really matter the higher power, the world, the way it's working, energy, whatever you want to reference it as. Mm-hmm. When you look at it and you ask yourself, is my tiny little human conditioned brain trying to tell me that this is the only way to do it? And now I'm just trying to make that thing true. The universe has a wonderful plan for you that you ha- you can't even fathom. I'm sm- as, as awesome as you are, as much money as you have, as much clout as you have, as much everybody thinks you're so dope. I need you to just put that away for a second. This is where the ego thing has become so rewarding for me is that I start to listen to what's being handed to me. So the the stuff in my life that has been so bad, so bad, 
is no longer like there are very few things that I can name. I don't even, I can't even come up with one that has been bad in the last year Mm -hmm. because I choose to see it from a place of surrender that the universe is handing me something that I think looks bad from my silly little human mind. But if I were to open my perspective to the possibility that this is guiding me exactly where I need to be, you start to feel like you're being caressed by the universe. Like the universe is actually really taking care of you. Like the world has your best interest in mind. And because someone died or because someone got cancer or because someone got hurt or because you lost your job or because you broke your nail and everything in between that seemed so terrible was like the worst thing that ever happened to you. If you were to take that moment and say, I trust and I surrender to what's happening right now because it's guiding me to exactly to where I need to be and exactly to what's supposed to be going on. Mm -hmm. When you start to live in that, watch how fast your life goes from zero to a hundred real quick, real quick. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that book because that is, I, I mean, I openly speak on surrender. It was like my last lesson that I learned when I was dealing with my kids and we were dealing with like really, really difficult situations with them and learning how to surrender was the moment where it was like, this isn't mine to fix anymore. Like it's not mine. It's mine to put the energy back on myself so that I can create change so that I can show up differently that maybe that will impact where they're, and that's literally things that change in our life was because I chose to change myself first. I'm not saying I fixed things. It's that, but my way wasn't working and surrender is something that we only learn it because there's just nothing else left to learn. Like you can't, you, you've tried everything and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, maybe surrender actually is the choice. So now when I catch myself in a space of pushing, 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 trying to make it happen, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. Let's just check this where can I stop and let go of that and just let it happen the way that it's supposed to? It always, always shocks me. And it's amazing at how beautiful it can unfold in ways I never expected. So I'm glad you talked about surrender. I think it's important. I've been calling it recently. I made this up and I'm really proud of it because it's super fun. I didn't make up stop, drop and roll, but I made up the, the idea of how we put it in transformational understanding. So this whole like stop, drop, and roll that they teach in school when you're on fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I created a mindset around that that helps me with surrender. So stop, mm-hmm. take a second. Like when, when everything feels like the world is collapsing around you in those moments, when you're like, everything's wrong in those moments, it is an opportunity to access this little practice. So go for it. Stop, mm-hmm. take a deep breath, drop your ego or your vision of how it's supposed to be yeah, and roll with what's coming. I love that. Like stop it. You, I get how strong willed you are. I get that your tunnel vision is so legit. I get that you're on that hustle and grind. Stop for a second, drop your ego that your way is the only way in the right way. I'm not saying give up on your life. I'm saying notice the signs something's telling you something bigger roll with it man stop drop and roll i love that i love that analogy and i mean i just anyways i just absolutely love that because to me the whole vision of surrender is so so more powerful than it is ever given credit for it's just it's yeah yeah, the flow is great when you learn how to get into the flow 
It's, it's, so every time I feel like I'm not, I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop what you're doing here. Like, where are you blocking this flow? Where are you directing it? What can you do? Again, that's me. It's totally me. And I usually realize, and it's like, no, make a couple changes and it literally changes everything. Yeah. I mean, so many of us are freaking hustling, trying to swim upstream mm-hmm. because we, we play this role of like, ah, I, I'll, I'll have a better story or I look cooler. Again, it's ego. It's like wanting to look good for everybody. If I swim up, if I swim all the way up against the current, everybody will remember me as the best swimmer ever. Dude, your life is taking you to a whole new body of water if you were to just turn around and go with the flow. And like, notice that the world is putting a, a beautiful, phenomenal current there for you to ride. So that you can go to this body of water that you're, you, you didn't even realize you were. So like something beautiful is on the other side. Trust. Go with the flow. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Love, love, love everything that you are saying and how much you are sharing. You're, where can people connect with you and find you and reach out to you? You do some one-on-one coaching. You do some group coaching. I know you do some training, yep. but you're, you're really, really working more into coaching now. Is that yep. correct? Yeah. Yeah, so most of my space right now is in one-on-one and group mindset coaching and consciousness coaching. And I, I don't announce consciousness coaching as much because people tend to think, what does that even mean? And if I do know what it means, it means I, I need to be more conscious. I'm pretty conscious of everything. I'm good. <laughs> so I like mindset coaching a little better because people don't find it as scary. All it is is working with you to check your automatic you're just kind of doing because you're alive and you're not actually paying attention to what you're doing and that's heightening your consciousness uh awakening your consciousness a little bit and what a feeling when that happens so you can find me doing one-on-one coaching um group coaching uh you can always reach out on instagram i'm instagram is huge for me at nick pags fit n-i-c-k-p-a-g-s-f-i-t i do a lot of dming action there um, you can also get me on an email, nickpegsfit at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll soon be kind of revamping the coaching business. So I'll have the website running and a bunch of back end stuff coming very shortly. But for now, I'm a super personal guy. So just reach out to me on Instagram. Let's chat. I love that because it's like we, I mean, when we first started coaching, we think we have to have all that stuff done at once and it's just not possible. Besides, when you start, you end up shifting and changing in Mm -hmm. ways that you're like, oh, glad I didn't spend thousands of dollars building that website because I'm now shifting into this direction. So it's, it's being open and fluid with that and where that takes you. So I love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. Last question I have for you. I could literally talk to you for a long time, but here, last question I have for you is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Wow. Yeah. Because the past few years, Marsha, I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think what I just keep going back to is that um, there's like a level of trust that gets to happen in my life all the time that I get to trust whatever's coming up is guiding me to wherever I need to go. And I'm really, really working on saying that in a way that doesn't scare people because I don't want it to be a thing of like, dude, this guy is like a hippie and he just is kind of letting life go with him. If you know me, you know, I hustle just as hard as anybody else on the planet, but I hustle with trust and surrender. And I hustle with understanding that, um, I, 
the, the world, the universe, God, again, how, whatever you want to call it, is so much bigger than me and has a freaking phenomenal plan for me. So I think, I think it's this, this trust and this constant willingness to look at my own perspective, mm-hmm. that your perspective can change and you can create it. And really it goes back to the, the title of your podcast. You can own it. You can own your perspective. You can own your choices okay. and in turn own your life. And what a feeling. Imagine waking up every single day. Like imagine waking up every single day and feeling completely and utterly in control. What a feeling. Like I, I can run this day. Um, it is, and I'm getting there, man. I, I continue to do a lot of work on it, but what a feeling. Amazing. Honestly, like I just think of where, I mean, so you're my third interview in only a couple days of somebody between the ages of 27 and 30. I am blown away and I, in such a great way where I look at it and go, this, this was something I was craving when I was your age. I'm not going to lie. Like I was like one of those people in high school that went to the leadership conferences. I loved it. I was all part of student council. Part of, I loved all that stuff. But then I finished and it's like, what do I do with this now? I want to do something, but there's, it just was not talked about in, a, in the way that it is now. So I love what I'm seeing and what you guys are doing and some of the impact that you're making. And you're not waiting for an age to do it or for a certain point in life to do it. You are really literally stepping into that space now. And I just freaking love it. Like, I love it. Absolutely. I think the more people that are doing this, the better because we need it. Like, we absolutely need it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's just a constant ebb and flow of connection, learning, growing together. Yeah. I, I, have, I have had to, because I've been in that motivating space since I was 20, mm-hmm. trying to tell multimillionaires living in, like, luxurious houses in Rye, New York, with buildings in New York City under their name, like, what does a 20 year old have to offer them? It was a real slice of humble pie to realize that like, I don't have any info to offer them. I have questioning to offer them and I have a mission to ask them to look within themselves. And when I started having impact with that group of individuals who you want to call financially successful, I guess uh, everybody's got their stuff and man, age is just a number. Something my great grandmother always said, age is just a number. And uh, a willingness to just hear people for people rather than age, you know, and I, I admire you, Marsha, for, for saying what you said, because it's not easy to have a conversation with someone younger than you and, and be willing to like admire them for whatever their thing is that they're good at, you know, and, and right back at you, girl, right back at you. Yeah, so much love for you. Honestly, I'm so grateful that our paths have connected and I get to watch what you're doing and I've been able to have this conversation with you so people can get to know you better. So thank you so much for showing up and for sharing the way that you did today because it just, you did. You totally did. You let me dig a little bit. You shared. I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. And I forgot to mention my podcast. Come oh, see me yes, on my podcast after you listen to hers. Um, my podcast is called Let's Go, L-E-S-S-G-O-O with Nick Pags on all major platforms. So come check me out there. That's awesome. We will definitely have to connect on that podcast. Yes. I love that. Yes, we'll see you on mine soon, okay? Hey, we'll do it. We'll absolutely do it. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. All right, Marsha. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.